Coming up on This Week in Games, a double dose of mixed reality announcements, esports dominates the week in fundraising, and Epic makes a massive play by acquiring a fan favorite hit. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this was a big week full of random news. We have hardware announcements, acquisitions, fundraising, pretty much everything we could ask for from the game industry gods. So let's kick it off. Two pieces of hardware news. First off, Microsoft announces the HoloLens 2 Developer Edition. So for only $3,500, you can get your hands on the next generation AR headset. And it comes with a $500 Azure credits and three-month-long trials for both Unity Pro and Unity Pix 6, whatever the hell that is. To pre-order this headset, you have to enroll in Microsoft's Mixed Reality Developer Program, which I'm sure we're all lining up to do right now. (laughs) I don't know, guys. The original HoloLens literally blew everyone's minds away back in 2015 at E3, but, you know, we're in 2019 AR still hasn't taken off. Um, AR is still the next big thing four years later, so that's probably not the best sign. And, uh, you know, HoloLens is an amazing AR experience, but (laughs) you have to have people afford it. $3,500. Now, I know the dev kit edition, but still, like, what is the consumer HoloLens? Is there even a consumer strategy for the HoloLens? You know, mess. AR is a mess. Now let's move on to the other mess, VR. Valve officially announces their VR headset, the Valve Index. Though it was pre-announced and then leaked because they created Steam pages for it, we now have an official, official announcement from from Valve on their flagship VR headset. So for $999, aka $1,000, you can get a base station, two index controllers, and the headset itself. You can buy them individually as well, and everything is compatible for the HTC Vive, so I think you can like mix and match controllers and whatnot. Now, there's a long list of interesting features, like tracking individual fingers well enough for you to play rock, paper, scissors, but at the end of the day, the question is, will people mass adopt this? The answer is very likely not really. You know, after PlayStation put some serious muscle behind their VR headset and like serious muscles in making Resident Evil 6 for the VR headset and it still failed and you really don't see them pushing it that hard anymore I really don't think this is a quality and features problem it's kind of like an experience and device problem you know VR feels like a commodity and it wears off so if you pay a thousand dollars for something that's fun for a few weeks that you never have desire to touch it again you know you certainly aren't going to be even jellical for the kind of like output modality and I'm sure some people really like their VR rooms that are solely dedicated to these like giant VR motion experiences. But come on, that's a tiny subset subset of the gaming public. Gamers generally are poor. When I gamed the most in my life, I was super poor, <laughs> you know. And so gamers, like the subset of people that have enough money to buy beastly computers, buy expensive VR headsets, and have dedicated rooms in their house to these like. VR experiences is so tiny that, you know, there's just not going to be the justification for your average developer to even target VR. And so, 
I don't know, AR and VR feel like they're the, they'll be in the next big thing for another 10 years, you know. In other news, Valve did tease that they do have a flagship VR game coming later this year. It is likely one of the three major VR titles that Valve said they were working on, but they said that back in 2017. However, it does raise the eyebrow to how could Half-Life 3 be a VR-only title? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not, though. But, you know, I if I had to guess probably the next portal three will be vr only if i had to wildly guess maybe team fortress three who knows something all right let's move on from uh, hardware news to riot riot almost having a riot so riot employees threatened to walk out over force arbitration last week a story broke of riot pressuring a lot of ginger discrimination lawsuits to be forced from the courts into private arbitration where settlements can be made without kind of any of the dirty laundry reaching the streets and you know legally riot pointed to the employee contract which has forced arbitration clause so what does that mean if you're going to sue riot for discrimination or assault or i don't know like some kind of thing that you're accusing the company of while you're an employee there they have a kind of like a, a thing in the contract that you signed when you became an employee that says you won't go to public courts. What you'll do is go to force private arbitration where it's kind of like a private court where you have a mediator and I don't know the full legal process, but basically you work it out privately and you're, the dirty laundry of what happened doesn't get aired. So just so everyone knows, this is an extremely common clause. I think every company I've worked at had something similar to this. Just last year, Google employees even staged a walkout of their own to get this removed from their contract. So it's very common. The kind of like recent complaints and bringing to public light problems at big companies have kind of like made people rethink this clause, but this isn't anything new and this isn't anything like, you know, extreme that Riot does. But it, it's pretty strange to me because although Riot does sound like a childish environment with major issues and like the CEO going around like farting on people and nut tapping them and dry humping them like... It sounds like a really shitty place. Um, at the same time, you signed an employee contract with forced private arbitration. So as an employee, you kind of don't have the right to know what's going on in other cases, especially cases that are ongoing. And it's kind of weird that employees claim that they need transparency. But, you know, at the same time, it could hurt company morale if like the CEO is accused of some horrific thing only to find out later that that acquisition, that accusation wasn't true. And then, but like morale's already destroyed. Like your leader of your entire company is seen as like some terrible person. Morale's destroyed. And while that settled, like lawsuit is going on, uh, kind of like employee productivity dive bomb. So there is a reason why this stuff exists. Um, I do agree. It, it also does help them kind of like sweep sexual um, what is it? Sexual, like assault, not sexual assault. <laughs> what is the gosh? Anyway, sexual misconduct or gender discrimination or any type of like, it allows companies to sweep these under the rug and settle them without any of it coming to light. Therefore is like the higher up executive really punished. So there's that aspect, but at the same time, you know, you just can't have anything where an executive is accused of anything come out publicly. And certainly you shouldn't have 
full transparency and say like, oh, this executive is now being accused of this. Here's all the details for all my employees. I don't know. At some point, if you hate the leadership that much and the environment sucks that much, then leave. I mean, we're in America. (laughs) So I'm not defending Riot. I've left lots of companies, though. You know, Riot isn't exactly setting the world on fire. It's pretty much struggled to release anything post League of Legends. And uh, it's acquired a bunch of companies that were releasing games and then under Riot have yet to release a game. So, I mean, as much as I know people who work at Riot and love it, it's 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 not doing much right now, you know. And they've been promising more multiple games for, you know, five years or something ridiculous. And they haven't delivered. And you have Riot on your resume, so you'll surely get interviews elsewhere. And frankly, if you want to do the ultimate fuck you to Riot, take all the best employees and start a rival company. You know, like, Riot, although it has a League of Legends IP, that's kind of on a downward point. Like, no one really, like, League of Legends isn't that hot anymore. Go ahead and take all the best employees and, like, create the big ne- next big thing in MOBA. <laughs> Nothing's stopping you. So, you have options. Um, I'm not going to defend Riot, but at the same time, you know, if you're going to stage walkouts and constantly, like, hate working there and express your displeasure for working there, then leave or start a rival company or do something, you know, because, like, at the end of the day, Riot and Tencent, who owns, like, 94% of Riot, I don't know if they really care that much. Like, that COO is still working there, you know, they hired a diversity or something officer, but... Again, like, Riot probably doesn't really care at the end of the day and probably wants to wants it to stay the environment that it is. So that's my two cents. I'm a man who's left plenty of companies, been laid off at plenty of companies. That's my point of view. Take it or leave it, Riot. All right, on to some more drama. Chinese developer Do Global gets completely removed from the Google Play Store. So Google Global's collection of over 100 apps were removed from the Google Play Store due to the number of serious violations. And these violations are hilarious because they're blatantly bad. Um, BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed reported a number of apps would simulate clicks on the ads to generate ad revenue. And they would simulate clicks on ads even when the app wasn't opened. Other apps collected users' personal information when it didn't disclose this in the privacy agreement. So it would just flat out just start collecting personal information even though you didn't give it permission to. And finally, uh, Do Global would release apps not listed under Do Global um, owner to try to avoid getting the app like buried or in trouble because of all the other shady things Do Global was doing. So, you know, Do Global has released a statement. It went along the lines of something like, we're taking this seriously and investigating this and don't know how this happened. Let's be real. I mean, like, <laughs> the list of accusations are very high and very diverse. So it's not like one thing where you can kind of blame some third-party service. It's a it's a running list of things, and they're pretty diverse. So it definitely points to shady business practices. And I, it seems impossible to think that there were accidents or of any way. So anyone who simulates ad clicks pretty much deserves to be shut down. So shut them down. All right. Let's get to the business news. Biggest news of the week, kind of most, at first I was excited, and now that I reflect on it later in the week, it's kind of sad. So Epic Games acquires Psyonix. I don't know how much, um, I'm sure I can find an estimate, 
but the Rocket League developer Psionix has officially been acquired by Fortnite and Unreal owner Epic Games. Psionix worked with Epic all the way back to the original Unreal tournament. Um, I've covered Psionix a couple of times. I've mentioned that they were kind of like a work-for-hire studio. They wouldn't make full games themselves, but support game, like bigger AAA developers, and they would do contract work on a bigger AAA game. They've spun out and made a few smaller games, and then they eventually made Rocket League and started printing money. I don't know what their financial situation was, because Rocket League is, although it's great, it's like, how much can in-app purchases keep that game going? Maybe that's why they sold. I don't know. Epic didn't take long um, to confirm that Rocket League will no longer be available on rival digital store Steam after it releases on Epic's own digital store. Somewhat strange for Psyonix to sell out after finally having hit on their hands after many, 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 many years. You know, again, maybe the money was too good. Maybe they're struggling, kind of finding that sophomore hit. Now, Tim Sweeney, who has now become sort of an index for tracking money-changing people's behavior for the worse, bragged about his large war chest and being able to afford... Uh, his large war chest being able to afford epic large purchases such as buying out psionics. And that's ironic because the same week Polygon released a story unveiling the perpetual crunch surrounding Fortnite, developers being forced to work 70 and 100 hours a week, even though the game is a massive success and has been out over a year. Employees that don't work weekends are dismissed immediately. And yeah, this story, so it kind of goes full circle and... It kind of stops being about the purchase of Psionics, which is just a random purchase in general. It seems like they're just trying to buy games that have a large user base that's consistent and then, you know, put them under the Epic Games digital store so then they can get more eyes on the digital store. Then they can actually start getting developers to target their store over Steam. However, God, it's like Tim Sweeney, every time he says stuff, I don't know if he thinks it's cool, but he comes off as a douchebag. And then the Polygon article is just terrible given how much money Fortnite's making that you're treating your employees like this at the height of your success. And it kind of shows who you are. So Epic was like the pride of my hometown, Raleigh, North Carolina, in terms of game development. But after reading this and seeing how Tim Sweeney's been kind of acting in the last like kind of two years, it really paints a different picture for the company for me. So, Epic, get your shit together, and maybe Cliffy B leaving <laughs> wasn't the wasn't as like bad as everyone thought it was. You know, maybe he was the fun that was Epic Games, and without him, maybe Epic Games isn't fun anymore. It's just a giant soulless another EA. All right, more business news. These these fundraising newses are. Ridiculous. All right. Immortal rebrands itself as Immortals Gaming Club and closes a 30 million in Series B round. What the fuck? The rebranding comes as Immortals acquires Brazilian game matchmaking platform Gamers Club. So now they're Immortals Gamers Cl- Gaming Club. Makes sense. But Jesus, esports organizations, they're like one or two steps away from outright owning game development studios. And they're out, <laughs> out fundraising gaming development studios. So it's just fucking ridiculous. This splits Immortal Gaming Club into two parts. It's Matchmaking Hub, still based out of Brazil, and IGC Esports, which operates esports teams Immortals, Los Angeles Valiant, and MIBR. I don't know what any of these teams are, by the way. Again, I say this every week. If you truly want to 
I truly want to see what these esports teams are showing in finances or potential growth that allows them to continually raise this level of funds. What can Immortal Gaming Club possibly bring to justify a $30 million Series B? All the value in esports is with the IP holder. So the IP holder holds all the cards and you're kind of just like renting a team from them. Your team brand can't be worth that much. I don't see people wearing Immortals like jerseys anywhere, you know? You see real sports teams wearing jerseys. I don't see esports team jerseys. I mean, maybe one time I saw a Counter Logic gaming jersey. Maybe one time. But a $30 million in Series B, that's crazy. And, you know, these esports clubs are just acquiring more and more services that, gosh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know where this leads to, but it's crazy. And not to be outdone, esports teams Fanatic secures $19 million in Series A. Fanatic is going to use the money for a, quote, global expansion and launch a new audio line. Additionally, Fanatic founder Sam Matthews will retake the CEO position as Glenn Calvert, founder of Effect TV, will take over as COO. Yep, Fanatic headphones are going to be big. I mean, Apple is kicking themselves in the butt right now for buying Dre headphones when could have held out for those Fanatic esports headphones. I don't know. Esports. Esports and fundraising, guys. Next up, Magic Leap Tricks, or I mean, raises $280 million in investments from Docomo. Docomo being Japan's largest mobile phone service provider, Magic Leap being the next big thing that blew billions in investments to produce. Nothing really. So Magic Leap's total funding now sits around $2.6 billion. Can anyone name a single person that went to a retailer and bought a Magic Leap device? I'll wait. No? No one? Ugh, damn it. Come on, guys. It's the next big thing. I don't know. Magic Leap's rough. <laughs> it's pretty rough. I feel so bad for them, but Jesus, you keep raising money. Like, who keeps giving you money? I don't... Fundraising, guys. It's fucking crazy. And speaking of mishandling money, let's go on to our next fundraising disaster. Star Citizen is finally realizing that it, too, raised way too much money and has nothing to show for it. So, Cloud Imperium Games has raised $288 million over eight years of development with no final game in sight widely missing Star Citizen's 2014 launch date. Forbes did a great investigation in Cloud Imperium Games, and no surprise to anyone, showing massive money mishandling, like almost $50 million spent on marketing to raise more money in one round. This sounds to me like a top nonprofit. <laughs> 129 reports have been filed to the FTC over this game. I can't blame them, but I have to blame someone like... It's both Cloud Imperium's fault, and it's also your fault. You're buying $3,000 starships in a game. Let's get real. I don't know. I can't really understand what people think. Like, this was a good story, but it's not like Cloud Imperium is this, like, massive all-star team that delivers on everything they touch, and they're, they're not creating untold experiences. It's clearly, like, an amateur shop that really should turn themselves into a marketing powerhouse because they suck at game development, but rock at selling people with money dreams that they can't possibly obtain. <laughs> uh, all right, let's round out business news. Phoenix Games didn't take long for their first acquisition as they buy well-played games. So Phoenix Games wants to take a page from Keywords and THQ Nordic, 
by buying a bunch of random developers and service companies to being able to raise more money to buy more expensive developers and service companies. Well Played Games has worked with a number of IP holders to bring their creations to game platforms and is currently working with Games Workshop on a Warhammer Combat Cards, which is a Warhammer 40k digital card game. I won't comment too much on Phoenix Games. We talked about them like last week or two weeks ago. Um... I guarantee you, though, we're going to see monthly acquisitions from them for the rest of 2019. So we'll kind of sum them up later. All right. Final story of the week. Kind of an interesting one. Congregate co-founder and CEO Emily Greer departs after 13 years with the company. So Emily and Jim Greer, siblings, brother and sister, founded Congregate in 2006 with Emily Greer being COO since CEO since 2014. She oversaw the selling of Congregant to the Modern Times Group, MTG, back in 2017, and the open beta launch of Cartridge Congregant's storefront. GameIndustry.biz reports Greer will pursue a new unspecified gaming venture that may include the backing of MTG. Congregant COO Pani Heritatos will step in as acting CEO until the search for a new CEO is complete. That's pretty interesting, but... I don't know. What does that say about Congregate that their CEO just up and pieced out and is hitting the same company that bought them out for money to start something new? I don't know. I don't know. That's pretty rough. Um, Congregate, you know, they had a good thing going with uh, kind of like indie or small studio publishing. But, you know, with these days, it's kind of like the platform holders hold so much power. So unless they can get cartridge off the ground, it's like... Like, it's hard to be a publisher, a small-scale publisher of smaller games because you need a massive hit to really make money. And the platform holders are already taking, like, 30% of your sell. And then you as the publisher need to take some percent. And then the developer makes nothing, so you're just in this, like, weird cycle of funding games. The developer only gets the money from the funding. You know, they don't get that much trickle-down money, and you, at best, barely get your money back as a publisher. So... It's hard out there, um, you know, if I had to give them advice, which I'm sure they don't care about my advice, is, like, figure out a new way than Cartridge, which it seems like just a regular digital storefront. Figure out a new way to offer games. That would be my advice. All right, that's it for this week in games. I'm Eric McConnell. Come back next week. We'll do it all over again. Bye.